Today on the show, I'm going to talk about a topic that affects many people, which is anxiety. We'll discuss what it is and how to deal with it in your life. Please continue to support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. If you know someone that you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. Help me get the word out. I rely on the generosity from you, the listeners, to help support this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and, and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. All I ask is that you make a contribution. Give what you feel that you've received from the podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class, it could be more, whatever you feel that you've gotten from this show. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a donate button and make a contribution. You can give to any currency, including Bitcoin, to help keep me out of the system. You can also find this link in the episode description. You can also go to the podcast website to submit your questions to be answered on the program. Go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a form you can fill out or you can record your question and submit it to be answered on the show. I will be teaching at the European Yoga Festival in France from July 31st to August 8th. And I will also be selling my flutes and giving consultations in the bazaar. So stop by and say hello to me. For anyone who wants more information on the European Kundalini Yoga Festival, go to europeanyogafestival.eu. Okay, let's get to today's show. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Why? Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. Today I wanted to talk about anxiety. I think it's something that everyone, almost everyone, deals with at some point in their life, and uh, to a greater or lesser degree, but it has a huge impact, and it is something that causes a lot of suffering. In fact, psychology professor Dr. Matthias Desmet said anxiety is one of the worst psychological problems that someone can have. And we talked about this on episode 46 when we talked about mass formation in the psychological crisis. On that episode, we basically talked about the general or free-floating anxiety. But there are two types. We have this Specific anxiety, which is attributable to something specific, such as maybe a social anxiety or a separation anxiety or some other type of phobia that you may experience. And then there's the generalized anxiety disorder that Dr. Desmet and I discussed on episode 46. While both the specific and general anxieties cause a lot of suffering. The general anxiety typically causes more suffering because there isn't any one specific thing to focus the anxiety on. So it's a general overwhelming feeling of anxiety uh, that's more consistent where maybe the specific anxiety is experienced at particular moments. 
The other thing about general anxiety, when there isn't any specific thing attributable to the anxiety, a person tends to suffer more because of the uncertainty that they don't know why they are experiencing this anxiety. They don't know where it is coming from or what is the cause of it. And as we've seen in the last two years, how many people have this general type of anxiety? Like I said, I highly recommend going back to episode 46, where we talked about this mass formation. And what is mass formation? It's this group hypnosis. And what makes it possible is a lot of people experiencing this free-floating or this non-specific anxiety. And Dr. Desmond talked about the things necessary to hypnotize the masses. And one of them is this free-floating anxiety where they don't have any specific thing to project their anxiety on because they don't know where it's coming from. And then in society, there's a big problem and someone comes with a solution and then they start to project their anxiety on that problem. And that's why they fight so hard for the method for correcting this problem, even if this method is illogical or doesn't make sense, they will do it because it's a way for them to relieve this general anxiety that they have. In fact, it's almost intoxicating for them because imagine you have a lot of anxiety and then eventually you're able to project it onto something and then you see the solution for this and it kind of relieves this unknowing, this uncertainty of what was I experiencing. And we can see this with all the illogical actions that people are taking and fighting for because there are people who are suffering from this general anxiety. And whether you are experiencing this general anxiety or some specific anxiety, the symptoms are are typically the same. A lot of nervousness or worry, feeling stressed, having a lot of tension. A lot of difficulty concentrating, holding your thoughts on one subject, avoiding different things because it brings out this anxiety. And if you notice one thing that's very consistent with the symptoms of anxiety is the inconsistency of breath. Your breath is directly tied to your mental and emotional state. And when people become anxious, what do they do? They hold their breath when they expect something to happen, or they start to breathe faster when they panic. And these are both experiences that people with anxiety have. They are anxious of what is going to happen, what is the expectation of something, or they have a just general maybe fear, and so they start to breathe heavier. But one thing you'll notice is the inconsistency of the breath. What you should be doing is throughout the day is to check in with the breath. I've talked about this a little bit before of this Swara Yoga, which is the yoga of the breath, of being able to look at your breath and determining your emotional and mental state to see what is going on. 
and then using this as a guide to understand what you are experiencing and then how to change it. Because when you change the breath, it affects the mind and the emotions the same way that the mind and the emotions affect the breath. Another symptom of anxiety is stomach troubles. And if you're having difficulty with digestion or bowel movements, this type of thing, this is all related to anxiety. And this is one interesting thing that I was able to observe in India. Now, if you're anxious and you go to India, you're going to have a very difficult time. Because what is really much of the problem with anxiety is this expectation of what's going to happen. And when you live in a modernized Western society, the expectations are more predictable, right? What's going to happen is more predictable. You have a a bus schedule, you have a train schedule, you have all these uh, indications of what is going to happen in the future or tomorrow or next hour. In India, there is nothing like this. There's no bus schedule. I mean, there is, but there isn't. And if you have any expectations in India, you're going to suffer a lot because you have to learn to let things go. This was a a big impact on on me. I I mean, I don't suffer from anxiety, maybe at certain points in my life or for certain things I had, you know, was anxious, related to expectation. I was one of these people who would always go to places early. If we had to be there at at, uh, 8 o'clock, I would be there at 7.30 just to make sure I was on time. And, uh... And this was my kind of anxiety of just being prepared, being uh, ready for what was going to happen. And through my travels, you learn how to just accept, learn how to let go of the expectation. And if one place can do that for you, India is, because things will happen there that you could not even imagine that would happen. So how can you have expectations on this? And one thing that really caught my attention in India is, you know, you go there and the bacterias and the foods and the and the environment are much different than in the Western world. And so it's known that, you know, the, when people first go there, they have stomach troubles, they get sick because of the food or, or because of the different bacterias that their body's not used to. And this happens to pretty much everyone at some point, to some extent. But what I noticed is that there was a high correlation between anxiety and the stomach troubles that people would experience. A big one that was easily observed is when people were traveling to a different place. So you go to a city and you stay there for maybe a week or two or three weeks, whatever it was, and then you move on to the next place. And usually a day before the person was supposed to go to a different place, they would start to experience stomach troubles. And I found this quite interesting to see this correlation. I saw it almost every time. Not that there weren't bacterias in the food that they ate or in their environment that caused these, but it's just like when you're healthy. 
and you're eating right and you're physically and mentally healthy and someone next to you is sick. If you're really healthy, there's a high probability that you're not going to catch what they have. But if your system is weak because you haven't been sleeping or you're not eating properly or you're stressed out, you're not uh, psychologically balanced, there's a higher probability that you will get sick because you're susceptible because your system is weaker. And I noticed this a lot in people who had these stomach troubles that it was before a big change. It was either when they first arrived because the change was so big or right when they would move to a different place. And again, like I said, it's not that they didn't have the bacteria that caused it, but that their system was more susceptible because they were out of balance within their digestive system. And we see this a lot. We see people that have different diseases, like Crohn's disease and these types of digestive problems are as a result of this anxiety or worry or stress and the lack of balance and feeling grounded. And there are many causes of this experience of anxiety, which is fear, or this worry, this insecurity, uh, not feeling grounded like I just talked about, or having expectations of what is going to happen, or a lack of confidence, or difficulty dealing with change. This is something that many people have difficulty with, is being flexible enough to deal with change. Now, we can talk about all these specific examples of the causes of anxiety, but really there's just one where we can take the essence of anxiety and, and, and remove it from the root instead of just pulling at the leaves. And the cause of all this anxiety is really a false identification. It is all in the mind. And what is it in the mind? It's the mind having attachments, attachments to a desire, how things should be, or an aversion to how things are, or what they don't want to happen. But really, it's a false identification, and it's the psychology that manifests in the body that creates all the experience of, of anxiety. Like I talked about the tension, the erratic breath, the stomach troubles, the difficulty concentrating. It's, it's interesting because often people say, oh, my memory is bad, my memory is bad. But <clears throat> a lot of times it's not this, it's that. There's so much anxiety going that they can't access their memory. They can't access the thoughts in the mind clearly. And you can look at this like uh, when you try to remember the name of a song and you can't, and you're thinking, and you're thinking, and you just can't think of, you can't come up with the answer. And then you stop thinking about it and it comes to you. Well, it's because of this anxiety that it couldn't come to the mind. There was too much tension in the mind. And once the mind relaxed, the mind was able to access these memories, these thoughts. And so it's this tension of the mind that we're really focused on. It's this false identification, which is the root of all anxiety. And it's having the expectations of what's going to happen, having attachments on the outcome, 
And these happen all in the mind. It's all this false identification. And what is false identification? It is reacting to the thoughts of the mind. It's reacting to the feelings of the body. It's not just reacting, but identifying with them and saying that this thought or this feeling is me. I have to react to it. For example, imagine you have a fear of speaking in front of people and it causes you a lot of anxiety and you have to give a speech. Now you have a choice. You can go up and you can get in front of the people and you can speak or you can run away. And now this fear may be so great that you run away and you don't speak. So the next time that you are presented with this position of having to get in front of people and speak, you find excuses, you you avoid it because this fear is growing stronger because last time you didn't do it and so you're reacting even stronger to this. And then you start to use this as aspects of your personality. Oh, when this happens, I always do this. Or when this happens, this is how I react. But now imagine that you're tasked with giving this speech and you get up there and you have fear. I'm not saying to suppress it. You may be anxious because you don't know what's going to happen. But you get up and you give that speech. And maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't go well. But the next time you're in a position where you have to do this again, it's a little easier because you loosen that grip to the fear. So I did it one time. I can I can do it again. And if you keep repeating this pattern, that identification or that grip on the fear and the anxiety of getting up in front of people starts to get weaker and weaker. And what this means is not that this grip is getting weaker, is that you're not identifying with it any longer. You're not saying that this fear is me. In the same way, when you have to do this and you have this fear, is to experience the fear. What does the fear feel like? What is this fear trying to get me to do or not do? But then with the mind, what is the right thing to do? And so it's not not being afraid or not having anxiety, but it's persisting in the face of this, that it's going to show you how this identification is false. And we see this a lot in meditation and in yoga with a lot of people who are unable to sit still, not even just in yoga or meditation, but in life. They keep moving around, they keep fidgeting. We see this kind of nervous behavior in the way we try to manage this anxiety. We see people start to smoke a cigarette or or do some other behavior like this. And when do they reach for that cigarette is when they start to feel more anxious because it kind of gives them something to do to take off the, the distraction, to distract them from what they're experiencing. And what I'm saying to you is not to distract yourself, to experience it, but don't react to it. Like I've talked about in, in almost every episode, it's not that you don't experience these things, but it's that you don't react to them. Because it's the reaction which is an indication that you believe you are this physical body or you are the mental body or you are the emotions that you're experiencing through this. And by 
not reacting, what you're doing is you're saying that I don't need to react to this. This is not me. This is a big part of the process of yoga. When you're doing these asanas or, or sitting for meditation, what you're doing is you're training this body in these asanas. You're holding the posture, and then the mind is telling you, you can't hold this posture, let it go, let it go. And you think it's all physical, but it's a very small part of this is physical. It's, it's mental because it's not listening to that voice that's telling you to let the posture go, to let go of this. And I, I talked about this. If you want to get into more detail on how to experience yourself beyond the mind and the body, is listen to episode 28. And I talked about an experience that I had that taught me how to really go beyond identifying with the physical and the mental emotional body. Anyone who's read a yoga book or taken a yoga class will tell you I'm not my mind, I'm not my body, I am the soul or the consciousness behind this that illuminates this. And intellectually, yeah, they know this, but experientially, they don't know it and they don't truly believe it because they're reacting through the thoughts of the mind and the feelings of the body. And what you want to do is to train yourself to not react to the mind. So when you feel this anxiety is is to not react to it. Like I talked about in episode 28 is I had this experience in long meditation where you want to sit still, right? The more still you can be, the more subtle awareness you're creating because there's no disruption to the vibration. And it's just like trying to look at your feet in a in a lake. If you're walking around kicking up the dirt of the lake, it's hard to see to your feet. But if you stand very still, all the dirt drops down to the, the bottom. It's easier to see through to your feet. And the same thing in meditation, the more still you can be in the physical, in the mental, emotionally, you start to penetrate the depths of your consciousness. You start to go beyond the mind when you're able to let go of the thinking. But what happens is that you sit still for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour, whatever the meditation is, but part the way through it, you start to have a pain in the knee or in the back or in the hip or in the foot, in the shoulder, and you move. And this movement is a reaction to some unconscious or even conscious tendency that you are trying to avoid, right? Unnecessary movement is the reaction of something coming from the unconscious to consciousness. Because what you're doing is you're trying to drown out the vibration of this unconscious thought or memory or whatever the experience is coming up by moving, which causes a vibration that's more coarse and doesn't allow you to hear the subtleties of what is trying to penetrate to the conscious mind. And I see this a lot when I'm teaching and I watch people meditate, and in the middle of the meditation, they'll stop and take a drink, they'll move around, because it's an avoidance. And not just an avoidance, it's a reaction to the mind. It's a reaction to the body and the mind. 
And what you want to do is you want to sit still. And I talked about this experience in that episode where I was in a meditation. I, I don't know if it was I was holding my arms out for an hour, but it became very difficult on my back. The pain was so great, I felt my back was burning because in this meditation you had to hold your arms up or out. I forget which one it was. And the the thoughts in the mind were, put your arms down just for a minute. Just rest your arms for a minute. Then you'll be okay. Then you can put them back up. And this thought kept going and kept going. And I just told myself, I hear this thought, but I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to allow it to speak without participating in it. And I kept doing this. I said, you can scream to put my arms down all you want, but I'm not going to do it. Not saying that I didn't feel the pain and I was avoiding the pain, it hurt. And I told myself, well, I feel the pain in the physical body, but who is feeling this? If I'm not my mind, I'm not my body, and I'm not this physicality that is experiencing this pain, who's experiencing it? And it's not me. And so if I don't put my arms down, what is going to happen? Oh, maybe I'll be sore the next day. Maybe I'll have some pain in my back for a while. But you, you have to be understanding of your body and understanding the difference between pain that is causing uh, discomfort and pain that is an indication of potential injury. And this was just a, a pain of discomfort. It was a very strong pain, but it was really just discomfort because nothing was going to happen. My arms weren't going to fall off or my back wasn't going to break. So I just had to say, I feel this pain. It's okay, but I don't feel it. It's the body that feels it. And it's the mind that's telling me to relax the posture, but I'm not going to listen to them. And I just kept thinking this, that I'm not my mind. I'm not my body. I don't need to react. And eventually, I started to learn how to control the mind. And guess what? The pain stopped. Because what is pain but just a judgment? It's just a sensation. And when I just stood in the moment and didn't have expectations of, oh, how long is this going to go on for? When is the end of this? When is the bell going to ring for this meditation? I just lost all my expectation and just was in the moment. And then in that moment, I didn't identify with the pain. I didn't identify with the thoughts. Not that I didn't experience them, but I didn't identify with them as this is me and I need to react. Because anytime you are reacting, what you're saying is this is me. And eventually that sensation of pain just turned into a sensation. And I learned how to really control the mind and put it in its proper order, right? Because the mind is not the master. The mind is just an employee. And is that employee controlling you, the owner, or are you controlling it? And often what we do is we let the mind control us. We say the mind is in control. I react to whatever the mind says. And this is what causes all your suffering, all of it, no matter if it's anxiety or any type of, of any type of psychological issues that you're having, it's coming from the mind. And then it's manifesting in the physical body. 
like we've talked about in many of these episodes. So what you want to do is to learn how to not identify with the mind. This is where all this anxiety is coming from. We can say, oh, it's related to uh, social anxiety or this type of anxiety. And, and yeah, th- those may be the triggers for it. And maybe understanding what the triggers are will help you identify the habit patterns, uh, the cause and the effect, and understand maybe how to to become aware of it before it becomes a physical stressor. But the important thing is, even if you have the experience of these things, is not to react to them. And again, going back to the general anxiety also is learning how to become so sensitive that you can start to experience what are the triggers of this anxiety to try to help you understand the patterns better. Although it's not completely necessary because it's just cutting it off at the essence of it, the identification of it. And the more you can do this, the stronger the control of the mind becomes. And the mind can be your best friend or your worst enemy. In fact, in the Guru Granth Sahib, the book of the Sikhs, it says, conquer your mind and you conquer the world. Because once you're able to learn how to use the mind as a tool, as an instrument, and not be used by the mind, then you are free. We think uh, freedom is in movement and action, but really freedom is in stillness. When you're free from all the impulses of the mind and the body, you're truly free. If you're experiencing anxiety, you know that you have no freedom. It's a constant vibration of stress. We can work on the anxiety through the physical as well as the mental. The mental is not identifying with the thoughts not identifying with the feelings that the thoughts are creating, right? What we talk about is you observe something from one of the senses, whether you see it, feel it, hear it, think it, and then you have a psychological reaction, which is an aversion or a desire, and then this manifests in feelings within the framework of the body. And depending on what psychological aspect this is, is where it manifests within the body. So we can deal with the manifestation of this psychology in the framework of the body. We talk about, I talked about that the digestion and stomach troubles of people who deal with a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety. And so what do you do is you work on being grounded, the first chakra, work on being secure and stable in your life. Work on your personal power, the third chakra, to balance the digestion, to balance the transformation. You do overall general yoga to become more flexible because many people have anxiety of change, have, of when things are different. So many people have difficulty with change. And so you need to just learn how to be more flexible with the body. And this is general yoga postures. The other thing is the breath. Like I talked about, pay attention. How is the breathing? And when you find that the breathing is erratic, or you're holding your breath a lot, which happens in anxiety and fear, 
or you're breathing too fast or not consistently is take a moment and breathe consciously. Some deep inhale, exhale. You can even do a little pranayama where you inhale through the left nostril, exhale through the right, inhale through the left, exhale through the right, and repeat this to get some emotional balance and stability. And you can also do the inhale through the left, exhale through the right, inhale through the right, exhale through the left, and repeat this to have a balance in the both hemispheres of the mind and an overall physical balance. And these are some simple breathing exercises you can do to try to relieve the tension because the physical body gets very tense and you have to learn how to relax it because when it's tense, it inhibits the flow of prana. When it inhibits the flow of prana, the the organs and the different aspects of the body are not operating properly because this flow is being interrupted, is being uh, erratic. And this is why you start to have difficulties with digestion, with uh, feeling grounded, maybe problems with the legs or, or whatever it may be. And you can also learn to accept, not have any expectations. There's nothing that you have to do, but just express yourself. Just be present. Learn to be present. Learn to accept how things are going to turn out. And this is one thing that you have to learn in India for sure. Because if you don't, you're going to go insane. Because you have to really accept the unexpected. And this is learning to then control the noise of the mind. We talked about in Refining the Mind, the episode where I talked about the positive, negative, and neutral aspects of the mind. And if you're having a lot of stress and worry and anxiety, that negative mind is too strong. You need to strengthen the positive mind and learn how to navigate life through the neutral mind. And this is the mind that's the non-reactive mind. And like I've talked about in most of this episode, is understanding this false identification. And and I, I went into more specifics in this in many of the episodes. I'll put the links in, in the episode description. It's important to learn how to let go of this false identification. It will make life much more enjoyable. And And this is this theory of the more you let go, the more beautiful life becomes. And you can do all these things to adjust the physicality of the body so that it heals to reacting to the mental anxiety and the mental fears. But it really comes down to not identifying with these thoughts and the sensations that they create in the body. No matter what type of anxiety or what type of stress or even, even what type of emotion, it could be any type of emotion, the more you learn to not react, the more you're going to enjoy life, that you're going to heal yourself, you're going to go deeper within to see the truth. Because this constant vibration of fear, of anxiety, is really not allowing you to access the depths of the mind, not allowing you to feel connected to the intuition, 
and not allowing you to feel connected to your higher self. But by observing your behavior and your ways of managing this, whether it's smoking or drinking or nail biting, all right, I had many people come to me and I noticed they start to bite their nails. And I said, okay, what I'm going to tell you is not to stop biting your nails, but every time you're about to bite your nails, think about what is happening in this moment. Because there's some anxiety that's coming up. The same thing with smoking or whatever your behavior is, overeating. Whenever you're about to do this behavior, take an inventory of what are you experiencing at this moment. And so this is a way that you can try to manage your physical self to recognize this and to deal with these stressors or these anxieties or these emotional triggers that cause you to change your behavior, to identify with the false. And by letting these go, you identify with the true you, and you experience freedom. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the program. And if you're at the European Yoga Festival, come say hello to me. I love to meet you, the listeners. Continue to support the podcast by making a donation, going to the storyofmepodcast.com. And on the contact page, there's a donate button. And there's also a link to this in the episode description. You can also go there to submit your questions for the program. Till the next time, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Why?